It was five o'clock in the morning, and Emily was awakened from sleep by her phone. She picked it up. It was the hospital. She immediately regretted having come home. Your mom's taken a turn, the nurse on the other end of the line said, and it might not be long. If you want a chance to say goodbye, you should get here as quickly as you can. I'll be there in an hour, said Emily. She lived 90 minutes away. She, she grabbed her day bag and got into the car and ripped out of, the, out of the driveway and down the street as fast as she reasonably could. She thought, you know, there are some things where it's worth getting a speeding ticket. Just a little bit further down the road, Tom uh, was also, well, Tom was awakened not by the alarm clock uh, or, or by the phone um, in the other room, but by the pounding in his head. It was five... And he could feel it coming on, the migraine. Usually they would come in the afternoons, but this was different. He immediately reached over to see to 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 grab some migraine medicine, but as he as he grabbed the the medicine, what do you call those medicine jar? Okay. Thank you. The medicine thingy. He realized it was empty. The pharmacy wouldn't be open for hours. And that's where he remembered, that's right. I've got some at the office. And it's only, it's only three miles away. It's less than the five-minute drive. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. So he gets into the car just telling himself, okay, stay calm, go slow. It's not far you can make it. So Tom has both hands on the wheel as he gingerly pulls out onto the road, eyes straight ahead, trying to make certain that, that, the, that the, the pounding in his head and, and the sometimes the, where his peripheral vision starts to disappear, he's just focused. Lord, just get me there. Lord, just get me there. Just, just two more miles. Just two more miles. Well, as Emily pulled up on Tom, she was going about 20 miles over the speed limit. And, and Tom was, well, he was about 15 under. And, and now she, she was as nervous as she could be. She was, and so, so she pulled up right behind him on his bumper. She started flashing her lights. Come on, come on, pull over, pull over, please pull over. It was a windy section. She couldn't pull around. Just flat, and she's swerving back and forth as the lights are flashing. Come on, come on, pull over, pull over. And Tom's just there with his hands on the wheel. And in the lights, he's like, I'm not going to look in the rearview mirror. I just can't look in the rearview mirror. It's just a quarter mile more, quarter mile more than I get to turn. They finally get to a section that's not so windy, it's a straight ahead, and Emily pulls out around Tom just as fast as she can, wheels spinning, and for a split second, their eyes meet as Emily looks to the right and Tom looks to the left. And in that split second, some gestures and words were exchanged. As Emily looks in at Tom in the car and she's wagging her fist in her mind, she's saying, slow poke! And Tom 
was looking over and, and shaking his fist and saying, Maniac! That's not actually what they said, but I'm using the church words. <laughs> now, the reason I, I, I tell this story and this moment, taking us to this moment, is that every single one of us, all the time, we are, we are in situations where we need to make some really fast emotional decisions. And, we're, and in those moments, in those moments where we're making fast emotional decisions, we make assumptions about the people around us and what they're doing. We have to. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus also made emotional decisions. But some of the assumptions that Jesus is making about the people around him, well, as we take a closer look, we'll discover they're often very different from our own. See, all of us, all of us, like we're emotional creatures. Uh, there's a quote I wanted to put up by Brene Brown. She is a, um, uh, she's a professor. She's an author. Here's the quote. See what you think of it. I'm not sure I agree with it 100%, but I, at least 90%. It's interesting. Brene Brown, we are emotional feeling beings who, on rare occasions, think. I love that quote. That's, that's interesting. Even, I'm not sure if I agree with that 100%, but, but it points us to this deeper reality that all of us, all of us are, are to a certain degree, we're controlled by our emotions. But thank God, just like our minds can deepen and grow, our emotions can mature. We hope. Are, and, and the things that used to trigger us don't need to always trigger us in the future. And so that's why I think it's so valuable that we take a look at, um, well, the life of Jesus and an emotional moment in Jesus's life and the assumptions that Jesus was making about the people around him. You could even think of this as like his reflexes or you think of his deep assumptions, but there is a metaphor a deep and guiding metaphor in Jesus' life that affected how he treated the people around him. And um, I think it's pretty interesting. So we're in a two-week series. This is just a short series before we get into the larger winter series uh, called I Believe in the Church. Again, we're going to be looking at church life and the things that are great about church life and the things that sometimes are horrible about church life and dreaming about what it means to be a local church together. But today, I want us to take a look at this an emotion that Jesus is known for, and that's his compassion. We're going to take a look and see where his compassion comes from. Next week, we're going to look at his anger. And we're going to discover that Jesus' compassion and Jesus' anger both, both find their source in this deep, deep assumption and this deep, deep metaphor or symbol. Okay? Interested? I am. Let's take a deep, take a deep dive. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. This is the time where Jesus is, his ministry is growing. He has done, just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And now he's teaching in various villages around Capernaum. And there are crowds. There's crowds of people around him all the time. So picking things up in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages 
teachings in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, here we go, he had, what's the word? Compassion on them because they were, say it with me, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So we're just going to deep dive into that one verse, one sentence. There's so much there. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Like, what's the word? Sheep without a shepherd. Okay. So Jesus had compassion on them. Now, there, there's a Greek word that's used here for, the, for compassion and it just, it's one of my favorite Greek words because it, it, it sounds like what it means, okay? The word is splagchizomai. Say that with me. Splagchizomai. Jesus saw the crowds and he had splagchizomai on them. Now, the word splagchizomai, translated as compassion, means, means gut-churning emotion. Like, ugh. You've experienced Splagchizomai in your life. You've experienced that kind of compassion. Hopefully, you haven't experienced it to its full degree. But there, there are, there, and you've seen this. You've, uh, if you've ever been in an environment that was super traumatic, where somebody got really hurt or in, was in grave, grave danger, have you ever been in a situation where then your, your guts hurt? Maybe you've been, and I, I hope you haven't, but maybe you've been in a situation where it is so traumatic that you vomit. And I don't say that to be gross, other than to say that's splagchizomai. That's deep gut churning compassion. We were designed by God for that. Ugh. So when it says Jesus had compassion, Jesus had splagchizomai. He had gut-churning compassion. This is, this is not pity. Like, oh, oh, you got an A- minus on your test instead of the A you wanted. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not that. This is splagchizomai. This is my guts hurt. So Jesus saw the crowds, and he, and he saw, and then we're going to get to this, this second metaphor, okay? He, he, he saw the crowds, and he had gut-churning compassion for them. He ached in his, you felt that. You've seen images on TV. You've had people, you've had people in your life when they go through something traumatic, and you're like, and you feel it through your whole body. That's what Jesus was feeling in that moment with those crowds because he saw the people around him. He saw the crowds around him. And the metaphor, the deep assumption that he made is that the people around him, and let's just assume that crowds in the first century are similar to crowds, you know, today. I mean, human nature hasn't changed. And you, if you've ever been in a crowd, who, who, some people here like being crowds. Other people like you just hate being in crowds, right? Because crowds are weird. 
People are self-centered. It seems like everybody's just, they're just looking for a bathroom. People will, they'll cut lines. They'll do all sorts of things. And now, and human nature hasn't changed. Jesus looked at the people, the average people around him, the just regular old people of first century Palestine, and he saw them and and they were harassed. That's his assumption. They're harassed and helpless like, what's the word? Sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus is... Baseline assumption about the average people around him that he saw is that they're like sheep. How do you feel about being seen as a sheep? That's right. Turn to your neighbor and say, I feel bad. I feel bad about that bad, really bad, bad. Okay. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, here, here's something that we know about sheep. Sheep are very valuable. I mean, there's a reason why farmers, ranchers raise sheep. From sheep, you can get wool, right? Still an amazing textile. You can get milk. You can get meat. If you have sheep on a pasture land, and so long as you don't overgraze that pasture land, the ground will be healthier after the sheep have passed over it than it was before. They're, they're, they're going to take away the weeds and the, and the brambles, and they're going to fertilize the whole thing. <laughs> sheep are amazing. They can do so much. They're very very valuable, and they're very vulnerable, aren't they? They're easily misled. Nobody ever accused sheep of being smart. (laughs) And Jesus looked at the people around him, the average people that he encountered, and his first assumption, they're harassed and helpless like Sheep without a shepherd. This points us to, uh, there's, there's actually an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. And here's where we're going to connect the dots a little bit between compassion as we look at it this week and Jesus' anger as we look at it next week. Because Jesus was no pushover at all. He felt deep compassion for the crowds. And well, we'll, we'll pick up the other half of it next week. With the anger. But here's, here, here's a portion of one of the prophecies in Ezekiel chapter 34. And, and this is one among a thousand reasons why I hope you read the Old Testament looking for Jesus. Just see if you find Jesus in this passage. Because it seems that this is the metaphor that is running through Jesus' mind as he's seeing the people around him. Ezekiel chapter 34. 34. If you've got your Bibles, open it up. I'm just going to read verses 7 through 12, though the whole chapter has got this metaphor in it. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, Ezekiel writes. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than the flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. 
I'm against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the, so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will rescue them. So Jesus looks at the people around him, sees the average person in the crowd, and and his first instinct is this person is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. They're Even if they're doing something dumb, there must be a reason why they're doing something dumb. Now, looking at the people through the eyes of Christ in this way, this does not mean that we declare wrong things right. That's not what he's talking about. Doesn't doesn't mean that we, we, I mean, Jesus was never, ever once light on sin. He was not afraid to call sin, sin. But as he looked at the people around him, his first instinct was they are harassed and helpless. There must be some reason why they are doing what they are doing. And they must be unable in this moment to do what they ought to do. Jesus, and he's, he's looking, and here's maybe a phrase that's helpful, and there's possibly other ways to put this, but let's just wrap our minds around this. As Jesus is looking at the people around him, his default, his default setting is to make generous assumptions. There must be some reason why they're doing the thing they're doing, even, even if what they are doing is wrong. Even if what they are doing is a bad idea, even if it's foolish. Like, remember, if you've read the book of Proverbs, there's kind of three categories of people. There's the wise, people who are trying to do the right thing, trying to live the right way. Then there are the foolish, people who aren't trying to live the right way. They don't really care, and they don't really want to learn anything. And there's people who are truly evil. They're trying to do wrong. They're trying to hurt people. What this tells us is that even though there are foolish people out there, And be careful around them. And there are truly evil people out there. Protect yourself from them. Protect your loved ones from them. Jesus' first assumption isn't that someone's a fool or isn't even that they're evil. His first assumption is that they're harassed and helpless. He's making generous assumptions about the people around him. Generous assumptions. 
the people that they're doing the best they can with what they've experienced at this moment, with what they know at this moment. They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, Jesus will have very strong words, and we're going to look at those next week, about people who have been given responsibility and spiritual responsibility for others, and they abuse it. Oh, he gets hot under the collar. Because he cares about people. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when they lack the shepherd, of course the sheep are going to do stupid things. So you look at the people in your life around you. And you, and you maybe lament or are frustrated by some of the dumb decisions that people make, some of the self-centered decisions people make, some of the foolish decisions people make. Perhaps passages like this, as we seek to align our hearts with the heart of Jesus, say, Lord, help me to make generous assumptions about the people around me. Maybe the reason why they are doing such foolish things is because they really honestly don't know any better. They are, perhaps they are like sheep without the great shepherd. It's amazing to me sometimes that society actually holds together with how many people don't know Christ. I, I'm, actually, I, I chalk that up to common grace. The fact that even in our ignorance of God, even in our rebellion against God, God is still kind to us. What would it be like if the local church was known as a place where generous assumptions were made about the people around us? We're rather than giving in to maybe, do you think our culture is becoming more compassionate or less? I agree. As we look at social media, and we, we increasingly interact with one another through icons or even just a name. It's easy to tell off a name, it's easy to troll a name. It's really. And you would say things, people say things to one another online that they would never say to each other face to face. But what if we, who know the shepherd, made generous assumptions? Now, this doesn't mean that the political rival has good ideas. I am not saying that for a second. But maybe they just don't know any better. That rebellious young adult. Maybe they just don't know any better. What if our first default assumption was they're harassed and helpless like a sheep without the shepherd? What do you think it happened if, a, if local churches were known as that kind of a place of grace? Grace and truth. 
But the first assumption was generous. Do you believe that God looks at you that way? Let's, just for a second, let's, let's not worry about how we see the people around us. Do you believe that God looks at you like that? He does. That when God looks at your life and your foul-ups, your mistakes, your misguided 5.30 flying down the highway because you're trying to get to a hospital in time and you endanger the people around you, or whatever misguided decision you make. What if God's first assumption about you is generous? Do you believe that? I hope you could. I hope you would. When God looks at you, he sees a sheep. <laughs> bah. without a shepherd. And he himself wants to be your shepherd. So Lord, please help me to see others like you do. Please. So Lord, Please help me to see myself like you do. Those eyes of compassion. The generous assumptions that still call wrong, wrong. This is not an abandonment of the rules. It's just a reframing of the person. Person. 